0: Treat. Invisible Choir explores detailed depictions of violence and murder and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The definition of malice is the intention or the desire to do evil. And evil does not have a birthday. thing.
1: Fairfield, Iowa. If you've ever been, it certainly feels more like a small town than a city. Home to just over 9,000 residents, Fairfield is the kind of place where everyone seems to know one another through some varying degree of separation. Not much goes on there, outside of the downtown area, which is surrounded by rolling farmland. The most excitement this part of the Midwest has seen was when Jim Carrey was once spotted at the local Taco Bell at least according to Reddit. Now, of course, that's not to discredit Fairfield in any way. Quiet is usually a good thing. More peaceful, less traffic, friendlier neighbors, that sort of thing. It's the kind of place where you could raise a family and buy a home, but relatively cheap in comparison to just about anywhere else in the States. And that's exactly what the thought process was for Noema Graeber and her husband Paul back in the early 1990s. Paul was a Fairfield local, born and raised. And during his senior year of high school, he traveled to Mexico, where he enrolled in a student exchange program, which is where he met his future wife, Noema. The two were just teenagers when they first met at a party in Veracruz, Mexico. Noema was undeniably impressed by Paul's fluency in Spanish, along with his plans to earn his international relations degree, with a focus in her native language. Before the evening was over, the two exchanged telephone numbers and went their separate ways. Paul returned to the United States, where he would attend the University of Iowa, while Noema stayed back in Mexico, working as a flight attendant, before later enrolling in flight school. She had aspirations of becoming a pilot herself one day. And while Paul was earning his degree nearly 2,000 miles away in Iowa City, Noema eventually made that dream come true. In fact, she became one of the first female pilots in Mexico's history, trained to fly commercial passenger planes. After earning his bachelor's degree, Paul became an international business consultant. One day back in 1983, he was traveling to Mexico for work when his flight was delayed. He remembered Noema, the woman he'd kept in touch with sporadically over the years, but hadn't seen in well over a decade. Still, Paul saw the travel delay as the perfect opportunity to reach out and give Noema a call. To his surprise, she actually answered and coincidentally had the day off from work. The two ultimately met up and reconnected, both quickly realizing that the teenage flame sparked between them some 11 years before Had never extinguished. They soon started dating, and a few short years later, it was clear that they were meant for each other. In 1986, Paul and Noema were married. For a while, they lived together in Mexico City, where Paul found work in consulting, before having their first child in 1991. It was around this time they decided to move back to Paul's hometown in Fairfield, Iowa, where they'd have two more kids. Paul and Noema went on to purchase a big farmhouse where they'd raise their three children, enjoying the serenity and vast acreage that the property had to offer. By all accounts, they had a great life together living in Fairfield for many years. Once their children were grown, Noema decided to go back to school to earn her English degree. Due to the high demand for educators in her community, she decided to change careers and went from flying aircraft to teaching helping high school students learn her native Spanish in the local public school system. We had the opportunity to speak with someone who knew Noema Graber very well, fellow educator and colleague of many years.
2: Diane Beekle. I'm from Fairfield, Iowa, and I am a retired special education teacher. At that time, I was one of the first people there at the school, and I was probably one of the last people to leave.
1: Diane Beekle first met Noema while teaching at Otumwa High School in Otumwa, Iowa. When she first received the news that a new Spanish teacher was settling in just across the hall, Diane decided to stop by and say hello.
2: We were across the hall buddies down in first floor in Otumwa, It was just, okay, here's the new kid on the block. You go over and introduce yourself. Can there's anything we can do to help you? And kind of clue her in on the atmosphere of the bottom floor. She was super excited to be there.
1: As a side note, in just about any case we cover, we try our best to pronounce the names of those involved correctly. When we asked Diane how Noema pronounced her name, she laughed and said that when they first met, she asked her the very same question. But according to Diane, Noema wasn't the type to give anyone a hard time about such things and was never one to sweat the small stuff.
2: And I asked her, because I heard some people calling her Noema, and I had been pronouncing Noema, and she was like, whatever makes you comfortable. You know, she wasn't going to fuss about how you pronounce the name, because that's just the way she was. She was super humble.
1: Noema Graber was in her 50s when she earned her teaching certificate and had just graduated from Wesleyan University months before she took her first-ever position in the field. She wasn't one to talk about herself much, but Noema had already accomplished a great deal in her life, even before moving to the States from Mexico in 1992. Though Diane didn't know much about her friendly neighbor across the hall, she could immediately sense the positive impact Mrs. Graber was sure to have on her students.
2: I knew she would be successful just from how she was.
1: It wasn't long before Diane and Noema found themselves stopping by one another's classrooms more and more frequently. The more they spoke, the more they bonded. And their shared philosophies of education ultimately sparked a friendship that would last over 20 years.
2: We were teaching friends. You know, the workplace friends, like everybody else. But she always made it seem more than that. Oh, my gosh. We would talk for like half an hour. (laughs) See in the hallway, always a big smile. She was always very happy to see me. Always made me feel special. And she did that with her students, too.
1: Almost as soon as she started, Mrs. Graber became one of the school's most popular teachers, not only among the faculty, but among the student body as a whole.
2: Students wanted to be in her class. First off, she was a native speaker, but even more than that, she was fair. She would help you. She would go out of her way to meet you where you were and to provide help. If you didn't accept the help, she would keep on trying.
1: Diane always recommended Mrs. Graeber to any students interested in learning Spanish, including her own. She told us of a time when two of her special education students expressed a desire to study the language. When Diane approached Mrs. Graber with the idea, she couldn't have been happier with her response.
2: I said, hey, I have two students. These are their needs. These are their accommodations. Can they do this? And she was like, not even a problem. <laughs> she would love to have them.
1: Mrs. Graber's passion for teaching was self-evident. Based on a personal level, Diane Beekle learned that Noema was much more than just a colleague— tragedy struck her life in 2003.
2: My former husband and I were in the National Guard band here in Fairfield, and we were on our way home from a gig. He fell asleep and crossed the center line.
1: It was a head-on collision. Both vehicles were totaled, and Diane was ejected from the passenger seat.
2: I was tossed from the car. My, the van actually landed on my head. They didn't think I was going to make it.
1: Both Diane and her husband had sustained life-threatening injuries. Specifically, he had suffered several broken bones, including a fractured skull.
2: He was trapped and they had to excavate him and whatnot. He broke his leg and depressed skull fracture, but he was fine other than that.
1: Luckily, everyone in the wreck survived. However, Diane was left with permanent brain damage as a result.
2: They got me stable Up to the university and I have a brain injury, I missed half the school year, probably should have missed more, but I wanted to get back in the classroom because the neuropsychology said I couldn't. (laughs) And my mother looked at him and said, don't tell her she can't do that. She'll prove you wrong.
1: When she eventually returned to work, perhaps sooner than she should have, even by her own admission, Diane remembers one of the first people to come knocking on her classroom door.
2: Noema was one of the first people who came and welcomed me back to the school. She went out of her way to find me. She was like, you know, if there's anything I can do, which you hear a lot from people. But with Noema, you know she meant it.
1: Noema was a genuine soul. She cared deeply for nearly everyone around her, in and out of the classroom. She also took her new pursuit of teaching rather seriously. And just because the majority of students looked forward to taking her class... By no means was Mrs. Graber a pushover.
2: She was fair, but she wouldn't let you do less than what you could do.
1: Some might call it strict or even tough love. Diane Beakle, on the other hand, would call it neither. She'd be the first to argue that the way Mrs. Graber ran her classroom was a model that more educators could learn from. Mrs. Graber could be stern, but at the end of the day, She was dedicated to helping students reach their full potential. But that said, not every student responds well to constructive criticism or even challenges for that matter. Especially the ones who have very rarely heard the word no and have been conditioned to getting their way long before ever stepping foot into Mrs. Graber's Spanish class. Noema Graeber taught Spanish at Otumwa High School from the mid-90s until 2012. She touched many lives during that time, but ultimately decided to move on when she took a similar position a little closer to home at nearby Fairfield High School. Though sad to see her go, Diane was happy for her friend Noema and the new opportunities that lay ahead. While both had families of their own and weren't able to see each other as often as Diane wishes in retrospect they did keep in touch for many years into the future. Diane vividly recalls a time she ran into Noema at the supermarket one day after not seeing her in quite a while.
2: She was shopping after school, and I was in there just picking up something, ran into each other in the aisle, and and she was checking in on me, making sure I was okay. Yeah, because she brushed herself off, because I'd ask her how she was. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing?
1: the two caught up for several minutes there in the aisle of a local Fairfield grocery store. After filling each other in on work, family, and life in general, the two embraced before saying their goodbyes. What should have been nothing more than two friends briefly reuniting at random ultimately became so much more significant a few short months later, a day that Diane now remembers as the last time she ever saw her friend Noema Graber. In her 29 years of living in Fairfield, Iowa, Noema Graeber became just as much a fixture in the two school districts she taught as she did in her local community, specifically the Latino community. As a proud Latin American herself, she became a liaison for fellow immigrants in Fairfield, helping those of similar backgrounds as hers by connecting them with opportunities through their local church. On November 1st, 2021, the 66-year-old high school Spanish teacher visited the Fairfield Public Library to help celebrate El Dia de Muertos, or the Day of the Dead, a Spanish holiday where friends and family gather to honor loved ones who have previously passed on. It was a newsworthy event. and The local Fairfield media was in attendance that Monday to document the colorful installations created by local artists, as well as to gather quotes from community members, which were to be published in the next day's paper. Naturally, Noema was one of the first people they wanted to speak with, so she provided them with the following quote of what the Day of the Dead celebration meant to her and her heritage. We all know we are going to die. It's our way of laughing at death. Noema's words arguably captured her essence as a whole and were printed next to a few others the following day. Her quote ended up being the very last two sentences of the article, published on November 2nd of 2021. But just how ominously prophetic the timing of that paper's release was, however, wouldn't be realized until the following day. At around 8.30 a.m. on November 3rd, at 2021, family members of 66-year-old Noama Graber called Fairfield Police to report her missing. This episode is proudly brought to you by Fabric by Gerber Life. Hey guys, it's time to get real. If you're like me and you have a family and you're building a life for them, you need to think about what happens after you're gone. And that's where term life insurance comes in. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make. And the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done. So you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you while building security for your children's future. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Seriously, it is so simple. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. And you could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes, with no health exam required. So, join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash invisible. That's meetfabric.com slash invisible. M E E T fabric.com slash invisible policies issued by Western Southern life assurance company, not available in certain States prices, subject to underwriting and health questions. This episode is also proudly sponsored by rocket money. All right, let me set the stage for you. You just signed up for that pricey AI image generating mobile app. And after a few hundred iterations of a bizarre combination of football and your favorite pop star, that free trials up and they charge you again and again and again until you catch it. Yeah, that was me. Whoops. Thankfully, guys, I've got Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place on Rocket Money. And if I see something I don't want, especially in that recurring subscriptions tab, I can cancel it with a tap. Seriously, I've never had to get on the phone with customer service or exchange emails to do so. It's super easy. That's why I love it. That's why I continue to use it because I, like most of you, keep forgetting about those subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash invisible. That's rocketmoney.com slash invisible. rocketmoney.com slash invisible. Noema hadn't returned home since the night before, and after failing to show up to work that Wednesday morning, her husband Paul knew that something was wrong. Having not heard from Noema in over 24 hours, the concern of high school faculty and loved ones grew with each passing minute. That Wednesday evening, Diane Beekle was contacted by a friend of hers after rumors began circulating about a local Spanish teacher who had been reported missing.
2: My marine music buddy works in town, and he texted me as soon as he heard and asked me if I knew this teacher. He figured I did since she had worked in Ottumwa, too, and told me that she was missing.
1: During the early stages of the investigation, authorities learned that Noe Graber was known to frequent Chautauqua Park, an area less than a mile from Fairfield High where she worked. According to those who knew her, Noema would walk the trails through the park nearly every afternoon after school. After obtaining surveillance footage from the school's security cameras, authorities witnessed the missing teacher exiting Fairfield High and walking toward her van just before 4 p.m. on November 2nd. Mrs. Graber was also known to drive her van after school a short distance to a certain trailhead of Chautauqua Park to begin her walks. After exploring this one and only lead, investigators soon made a horrific discovery after searching those very same woods. A few hours after Mrs. Graber's family reported her missing, police saw something at the bottom of a small hill off some railroad tracks near the trail access. As they approached, they saw it was a rusted red wheelbarrow with the wheel missing that had been flipped upside down. After lifting it up and turning it over, Authorities noticed blocks of wooden railroad ties stacked on top of a plastic tarp, and after removing the layers of debris, investigators located human remains, and they were soon identified as those of the missing 66-year-old Spanish teacher, Noema Graeber. The victim, Noema Graber, had been severely beaten, having suffered extreme blunt force trauma to the head. There were no other significant injuries aside from a few scratches, indicating that Noema was more than likely taken by surprise, left unable to defend herself at the time of the attack. Though there was no evidence of a sexual assault, the victim's upper layers of clothing had also been removed including a turtleneck, as well as an additional shirt that were both discovered up in a nearby tree. Investigators also discovered several wet wipes in the woods near the crime scene. They also located Noema's blue Honda minivan nearby, abandoned at the end of a remote stretch of road. Her vehicle appeared to have been stolen, and in an effort to hide it, had been driven directly into a bush and left partially concealed by its branches. In the very early stages of this investigation, several crucial tips came into police. Witnesses claimed to have seen Mrs. Graber's van leaving Chautauqua Park at approximately 4.42 p.m., with two thin white males in the front seats and no sign of Mrs. Graber inside. Another witness spotted the same van minutes later, driving southbound just after 5 p.m. This individual also reported seeing the same two white males not long before walking down Middle Glasgow Road, which was the very same road where Mrs. Graber's van was ultimately recovered by police. But who were these two thin white males? Well, it didn't take long at all for investigators to figure that out. The break in this case ultimately came from another witness, a Fairfield High School student by the name of John Burnett. After being interviewed by police... John provided authorities with information linking two of his friends directly to Noema Graber's murder. These friends were also Fairfield High School students: 16-year-old Willard Noble Chaden Miller and 16-year-old Jeremy Everett Goodale, both of whom at one point were enrolled in Mrs. Graber's Spanish class. Willard Miller and Jeremy Goodale were close friends. Some might even say they were best friends. They'd known each other since the first grade, when they both attended the Maharishi School in Fairfield, Iowa. If you're unfamiliar, the Maharishi School is a private pre-K through high school branch derived from the renowned Maharishi International University, founded by the famous Yogi Maharishi Mahesh, who was the spiritual advisor to the Beatles in the 1960s. According to their website, tuition at the private Maharishi school will run grade school parents about $9,500 and high school students around $20,000 per year. It's unclear exactly when Jeremy Goodale left the private Maharishi school for public school. However, investigators learned Willard Miller had just recently enrolled at Fairfield High for his freshman year, just one year before his Spanish teacher was bludgeoned to death. On the evening of November 2nd, 2021, just hours after Mrs. Graber was killed, a friend of the two suspects, John Burnett, received several images via Snapchat from Jeremy Goodale. John Burnett took screenshots of their conversation along with the several disturbing images he received. One of the photos was taken from Goodale's perspective, showing his hand on a bottle of Clorox bleach. The caption attached to the photo read as follows. Time to hide a body. Another image Jeremy Goodale sent John was a selfie. It showed Goodale with a bandana over his face, a stocking cap on his head, and a hooded sweatshirt pulled over top. The photo appeared to have been taken outside in the evening, as the background behind the suspect's face is pitch black. The caption included in this Snapchat image sent by Jeremy Goodale to John Burnett read as follows. POV, you're my Spanish teacher, and this is the last thing you see. Next, Jeremy Goodale sent a photo of himself holding the handle of a wooden shovel, as well as holding a green grocery bag full of materials. The caption on this accompanying image read, No, I'm actually ready. Here we go. Though it's hard to tell from this particular Snapchat, authorities believed the bag to contain a rope, tarp, and other items consistent with disposing of a human body that were ultimately found at the scene of the crime. The final Snapchat Jeremy Goodale sent his friend John was an image of a rusty red wheelbarrow. In it, one could see a shovel of the green plastic bag of materials, as well as a lantern with a caption that read, New wheelbarrow. Who dis? Authorities later confirmed that the wheelbarrow pictured in this particular image was in fact the same wheelbarrow found turned upside down on top of the victim's body. Though Willard Miller isn't seen in any of the Snapchat photos, messages exchanged between John Burnett and Jeremy Goodale indicated that Miller was involved, suggesting that the two had acted in concert. At the time, John Burnett reported all of this information to police. The public had not yet been made aware that Noema Graber, was in fact found deceased and that only her killer or killers could have taken these images. The second lead came from a different acquaintance of 16-year-old suspect Jeremy Goodale. The witness told police that he'd spoken with Jeremy in the park the afternoon of the murder. The most important piece of information authorities gained from this student was a description of what Goodale was wearing that day. Based on these two separate witness accounts, Authorities were able to obtain search warrants for both Willard Miller's and Jeremy Goodale's residences. During the initial search of Goodale's home, investigators discovered several items of blood-stained clothing, clothing that was consistent with the second witness's report in relation to the attire he was seen wearing the day of the murder. Within walking distance over at Willard Miller's house, investigators found a baseball bat in the corner of his bedroom. The bat was then bagged as evidence, believed to have been the potential murder weapon. During the early morning hours of November 4th, 2021, Jeremy Goodale and Willard Miller were both taken into custody under the suspicion of murder at around 5 a.m. They were then transported to the Fairfield, Iowa police station for questioning. This episode is proudly sponsored by Green Chef. Look, Everybody already knows I'm a huge fan of convenience and specifically having meals delivered to my door. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans that fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, what have you, or just looking to eat a more balanced meal. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences and have the freshest in-season ingredients. I love Green Chef for the sheer variety of healthy options and because it takes the guesswork of whether or not we're eating healthy and getting the freshest ingredients. So elevate your everyday wellness with the number one meal kit for clean eating and discover new gut-friendly recipes each and every week. Seriously, the variety is incredible. With Green Chef's new gut and brain health meal options, you've got no shortage of mouth watering, nutritious dinners, clean snacks, and functional drinks crafted to actively support the well-being of your gut and to enhance your cognitive health. Guys, and each week you can choose from over 80 flavor-packed options, including new calorie smart recipes and even wellness bundles. To give them a try, go to greenchef.com slash 60invisible and use code 60invisible to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60invisible and use code 60invisible to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. greenchef.com slash 60invisible. This episode is also proudly brought to you by Robody. It's no secret that in the last 10 or 15 years, I've put on a little bit of weight. And the reality for me is I've tried just about everything to lose weight and to keep it off, but it's tough. I've tried soup diets, keto, hours on the treadmill. I've even tried drinking exclusively bone broth for multiple meals a day. The Reality for me is if I lose weight, it generally comes back. If I lose it again, it comes back again. It's a never ending cycle. But what if I told you there was an easier way? The Roe Body program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your body weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. But how's it work? Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, like we've all heard of them by now. Robody program members also have support throughout the process. Roe's partner handles all of the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. And if you're eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. And look, you can even skip the awkward visit to the doctor's office because you can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and and no waiting rooms. So if you're like me and you wonder how people get access to this stuff, it's actually relatively straightforward. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to ro.co invisible. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co invisible. 16 year old Willard Noble Chaden Miller was questioned by DCI Special Agent Ryan Kedley at around 7 a.m. Thursday morning on November the 4th. From the very beginning of his interview, the demeanor of murder suspect Willard Miller is extremely relaxed and almost arrogant. He can be seen on surveillance from inside the interrogation room wearing a hooded sweatshirt draped over his head as he sits slouched in the chair, casually sipping a cup of coffee. Special Agent Kedley begins by asking Miller if he knew anything about Mrs. Graber's death, to which he replies that no, he did not and actually laughs when he answers this specific question. The interview audio is virtually unintelligible. However, the official transcript indicates Miller commenting on how Fairfield is a small place where news travels fast, but for whatever reason, he hadn't heard about his Spanish teacher being found dead in the woods the day before. When the special agent broadly asks Miller the names of some of his friends from school, he takes notice of the fact that Miller did not mention Jeremy Goodale, who they already knew was his best friend. However, this was just the first of many red flags to come. When Miller was asked to recount the day in question, November 2nd, 2021, he said he attended classes that day as usual and stayed after school to discuss a poor test grade he'd received in Mrs. Graber's Spanish class. He also said his mother attended that meeting as well. Investigators were already aware that Miller did in fact meet with Mrs. Graber just hours before her murder. They had also learned that he was failing her class and that he had future plans of studying abroad in Spain, but needed a passing grade in Spanish in order to do so. When students were first being questioned at school early on in the investigation, several reported hearing an argument break out before Mrs. Graber went missing. The yelling was reportedly coming from the room where she, Willard Miller, and Willard's mother were meeting, the afternoon of November 2nd. During his interrogation, Miller made no mention of any conflict occurring during the meeting. He told the special agent that afterward, he and his mother went directly to her office across town, where he did some homework before the two eventually returned home. Miller claimed he didn't leave the house after that, and stayed there for the remainder of the night. When Agent Kedley came right out and asked if Miller knew Jeremy Goodale, he said that he did, though he hadn't seen him on the day in question. However, Miller would later change his story and say that he did see Jeremy that day. While he appeared overly confident during the entire interview, Willard Miller changed his version of events several times throughout. He went from not being anywhere near Chautauqua Park the day of the murder, to eventually stating that he was in the woods that day and had actually witnessed the killing. One of the many stories he provided to Special Agent Kedley was that he was just outside of the woods when he encountered a group of masked men that day.
3: He described a, I guess, an incident where a group of masked individuals numbered somewhere between six and eight uh, had pursued a uh, Graber in Chautauqua Park. Miller described hearing what he described as a thud, and then looking down into Chautauqua Park and seeing this group of masked individuals carry some sort of objects into the woods, which he had assumed was Miss Graper herself.
1: Though Miller was unable to provide the names of these so called mystery men, due to the masks they were wearing, he did eventually offer up the names of at least three of his classmates. Students, he believed, may have wanted Mrs. Graber dead. Despite the obvious lies Miller had spun during his interrogation, authorities had more than enough evidence linking both suspects to the homicide, and upon the completion of both interviews, Willard Miller and Jeremy Goodale were ultimately arrested, each of the young men charged with one count of first-degree murder and one count of first-degree conspiracy to commit homicide.
2: Police in Fairfield, Iowa, said they found human remains belonging to Noema Graber, a Spanish teacher at Fairfield High School, who was reported missing earlier this week. They said Graber suffered head trauma. Officers say they arrested two teenagers, Willard Miller and Jeremy Goodall. Both have been charged as adults. The investigation is ongoing.
1: Following the murder of Fairfield High School teacher Noema Graber, classes were canceled indefinitely across the entire school district. The same day Jeremy Goodale and Willard Miller were arrested, Noema Graeber's son, Christian, posted the following to his Facebook page on November 4th, 2021. I'm sorry I can't respond to all of the messages, but I'll say what I've been told. My mother passed away. As I understand it, it was pre-attempted murder by two students. I forgive them and feel sorry that they had anger in their hearts. There's no point in being angry at them. We should hope that they can find peace in their lives. My mother was an angel of a woman and was one of the kindest souls. She gave me the gift of the Spanish language and helped many of her students over the years. She was well-loved in the community and around the world. Thanks to everyone who reached out. I may ask for some help with things in the following days, but in the end, everything will be okay. Te amo, madre. Diane Beekle recalled the moment she learned her friend was no longer considered a missing person, but instead the victim of a vicious homicide.
2: I was checking on local news on the internet during school the next day, as I could between classes, and he texted me, oh my God.
1: The same friend who contacted Diane the day before texted her again, only this time to inform her that Noema had been killed. By Friday, November 5th, the entire city of Fairfield was talking about the murder of Mrs. Graber, particularly her students.
2: She was really sweet. She always, always talked about her family and her friends and how much she loved her kids and how excited she was to come to America to teach us her culture.
3: Not all of us liked Spanish two or three. It was a hard class, but she was, in reality, probably one of the best teachers we had because she held you to her standards, and that, that was good for her.
1: That same male student was in Willard Miller's math class and knew him better by his middle name, as many did. Chayden. His fellow classmate went on to tell the local media how Shaden Miller often expressed negative feelings toward his Spanish teacher, Noema Graber.
3: Having known Shaden, having him in my math class, he did speak, uh, not in a murderous way, but in a very aggressive way for a dislike towards Ms. Graber.
1: The very same evening the previous newscast aired, hundreds of students, faculty, and members of this tight-knit community gathered on the Fairfield High School grounds for a candlelit vigil to honor Mrs. Graber, a woman who dedicated roughly two decades of her life to teaching in the local school system. That evening, more former students of the victim shared stories with one another, recalling the long-lasting and positive effect Noeema Graber had on their lives.
2: I would never forget how happy she was when I told her I was going to attend college to become a teacher. Ay, mi claro que tú puedes. That translates to, oh, darling, of course you can. I am sure you will get there. If you need anything, let me know.
1: Classes at Fairfield High resumed on Monday, November 8th, left to carry on without an integral part of the school's teaching staff and the broader community. Noema Graber was murdered the same day some of her very last words were immortalized and printed in the local newspaper, and the Day of the Dead display she visited the day before she was killed was left up at the Fairfield Public Library. An art installation now took on an entirely different meaning as a memorial, honoring Mrs. Graber's life. Following their arrest, Jeremy Goodale and Willard Miller both pleaded not guilty and were subsequently held on a $1 million bond. Both were inevitably charged as adults, However, due to the fact that they were just 16 years old at the time the crime was committed, both had a chance at avoiding prosecution under an unusual Iowa law. Those convicted of first-degree murder who are over the age of 18 face an automatic life sentence without the possibility of parole in the state. In other words, if convicted, Willard Miller and Jeremy Goodale could receive a lesser sentence due to their age. In May of 2022, Willard Miller's attorneys petitioned to have his trial moved to juvenile court, a petition which was ultimately denied. And while the evidence was overwhelming, a major shift in the investigation came when Jeremy Goodale decided he was going to cooperate with police. Two years after the murder of Noeima Graber, Jeremy Goodale sat down with detectives to provide a full confession regarding his involvement in the homicide. And on February 23rd, 2023, Dressed from head to toe in county orange, Goodale recalled the sickening truth of what really happened in the days leading up to the murder. According to Jeremy, Willard Miller was the mastermind behind the killing, and Miller recruited him several days before in a revenge plot to murder Mrs. Graber for failing him in Spanish. When Jeremy Goodale was asked why he chose to go along with Miller's plan, he responded quote, I didn't want to be a pussy by backing out. During his confession, Goodale informed investigators that he and Miller followed Mrs. Graber the day before the killing. He said they watched her movements and stalked her from afar as she parked her van at the trailhead before beginning her daily walk after school. According to Goodale, Miller knew Mrs. Graber's routine including the time of day she walked the trails and the exact location where she was known to enter the woods. Goodale explained that he was to serve as the lookout while Willard Miller hid in the bushes before attacking Mrs. Graber from behind with a baseball bat. He said you would just walk up behind her and hit her. I said, well, okay, I guess they can stand a little farther up the trail. Look out, make sure coming in front this direction. Okay. Goodale said they entered the woods before Mrs. Graber arrived the afternoon of November 2nd and had actually passed her on the trail unexpectedly, at which point the two alleged killers said hello to their victim.
0: We bumped into her on the trail and said, oh, you know, and then kept walking.
1: With their original plan of jumping out of the bushes now spoiled, Goodale told investigators how he and Miller decided to take an alternate route to get ahead of Mrs. Graber as she walked the trail, before eventually cutting her off at an intersecting path. We look trail, and, you know, and he kind of did like a
0: non-state.
1: Sure comes. Jeremy Goodale said he stood several feet ahead of both Mrs. Graber and Willard Miller, keeping lookout for anyone else who might have been walking on the trail. He told the detectives that Mrs. Graber then walked past Miller but didn't see him, at which point Miller signaled to Goodale to indicate she was approaching. Noema then walked directly past Jeremy Goodale, and she saw him. The tall teenager wearing the black bandana over his face was one of the very last things Noema Graber saw that day. As she jumped back in fright of Goodale, 16-year-old Willard Miller ran up to her from behind and began striking his 66-year-old Spanish teacher over the head with an aluminum baseball bat. I hit her in the back of my head. And I said, shit, make sure she's, sure she's dead so we hit her a
0: couple more times.
1: According to Jeremy Goodale, Mrs. Graber was still alive even after suffering several blows to the skull. He told investigators that he could hear her struggling to breathe as he grabbed her limbs and began dragging her off the path and deeper into the woods. Goodale said it was at this point he physically participated in the attack, explaining that he took the bat from Miller and began striking Mrs. Graber himself to assure that she was dead. Dragging off towards the
2: access trail wasn't sure if like, she was alive or not. And I took the
1: bat I'm sure if she wasn't alive breathing. While Willard Miller was just a few yards away attempting to collect evidence left behind, he eventually ran over to Goodale who was standing over the victim with the bat still in his hands.
0: Eventually he did come back there and he said, like, like what was that? What was that noise Did you did you, Did you hear
1: again? Once fully satisfied that Noéma Graber was no longer breathing, the two teens then dragged her body further into some brush off the access trail near the railroad tracks where they ultimately dumped her remains. I've
3: been asked for
1: According to Jeremy Goodale's recollection, he and Miller then took Mrs. Graber's keys from her person and ventured back to where her van was parked. After stealing her vehicle, they drove a short distance and abandoned the van at the end of Middle Glasgow Road, where it was later recovered by police. Goodale told investigators that he and Miller then got out of the van, started walking, and called a friend to pick them up. After the friend dropped them off a safe distance from where the murder took place, the two then walked to Miller's house, where Miller then provided Goodale with a bag of supplies. Miller then gave Goodale instructions to take the bag back to his house and that they'd meet back at the crime scene later that night to better hide the body. While back at his own home, Jeremy Goodale began sending Snapchats to his friend John Burnett. At around midnight, Goodale then snuck out of his home and walked to Willard Miller's residence to pick up a wheelbarrow that he'd left out for him in the driveway. Goodale then continued to send Snapchats to John Burnett. Showcasing the items he and Miller intended to use to hide the body. Just grabbed the
0: wheelbarrow, you know, I with me. Put that in, there. a in there. and then I the wheelbarrow down in front of the high school to
1: Park. After walking the short distance back to the park, pushing the wheelbarrow, Goodale soon arrived back at the woods. He told investigators that when he got there. Miller was already at the scene, attempting to scrub evidence of blood off the trail, scraping at the dirt with the bottom of a flashlight. In complete darkness with little visibility, the two walked the entire length of where they believed the attack had occurred, haphazardly leaving several wet wipes behind. Soon after they located Mrs. Graber's body, in the same spot they'd left her hours before, the two teens then hoisted her remains into the wheelbarrow, and began pushing it out of the woods and along the railroad tracks, directly adjacent to the access trail. According to Jeremy Goodale, the original plan was to bury Mrs. Graber's body, That the ground was frozen solid. It was at this point the teenagers decided to roll Mrs. Graber's body down the small ravine. At one point they removed her shirts and threw them in a nearby tree. The two teens then got to work crudely covering Mrs. Graber with old wooden railroad ties, the plastic tarp, and, lastly, that rusted red wheelbarrow. According to Jeremy Goodale, the final touch was kicking off the wheel of the wheelbarrow. He told investigators this was done to help make the items appear more as a heap of trash, as opposed to the undignified gravesite that it now represented. Goodale and Miller then hurried back to Miller's home briefly before heading to Goodale's, where they spent the remainder of the evening getting drunk. After catching a good buzz, Miller left a few hours later, and Jeremy Goodale fell soundly asleep in his bed. In April of 2023, a now 17 year old Willard Noble Chayden Miller. And now 18-year-old Jeremy Everett Goodale changed their original pleas from not guilty to guilty of first-degree murder.
0: Uh, The defendant is going to plead guilty uh, to murder in the first degree. Uh, The recommendation by the state is that uh, our plan, at least at this point, is to recommend a minimum sentence of 30 years and a maximum sentence of life with the possibility of parole.
1: During Willard Miller's hearing, he answered yes or no questions read aloud from his attorney, where the court heard his claims that he was actually the lookout the night of the murder, while Jeremy Goodale was the one who plotted to kill Mrs. Graber.
2: Did you act as a lookout while uh, Jeremy Goodale struck Joanne Graber? Yes. Did you know that Jeremy intended to kill uh, Mrs. Graber? Yes.
1: One obvious obstacle that Miller's legal team was faced with was the fact that Jeremy Goodale lacked motive in regards to actually orchestrating the killing. Goodale had taken Mrs. Graber's class the year before the murder, but by all accounts, he and the victim had a civil student-teacher relationship. Goodale had no record of disputes with Mrs. Graber or even a poor grade to speak of. On the same day, Willard Miller pointed the finger at his former best friend during his own plea hearing, Sticking to his most recent story that he was in fact the lookout and that Jeremy Goodale was the cold-blooded killer, his co-defendant told the court something completely different. During the hearing held on April 18th, 2023, Jeremy Goodale laid out his version of events for the first time publicly before pleading guilty to first-degree murder.
3: On November 2nd of 2021, I met um, Willard Miller at Chautauqua Park, I understood that he had the intent to kill Mrs. Graber. Chaden had brought um, a bat, among other supplies, to go through with the murder. And after he had struck Nohima Graber, we then moved her off of the trail um, where I then struck her. And she died as a result. Afterwards, we removed any evidence that we could, and that was my recollection of the events on November 2nd.
1: While they were both facing life in prison, the state argued that Willard Miller was the only one who vehemently resented Noe Mcgraber, and the lengths that he actually went to in preparation of eliminating her would eventually all come out in court. 17-year-old confessed killer Willard Chaden Miller was the first of two teens to be sentenced in the summer of 2023. During the proceedings held that July, it was revealed that Miller's vendetta against his Spanish teacher, Mrs. Graber, had actually begun several months before he recruited his co-defendant, Jeremy Goodale, possibly even up to a full year prior. After extracting data from his electronics and his online search history, The forensics showed that Willard Miller created a disturbing note in his iPhone back on September 4th of 2020, exactly one year and two days before Noema Graeber was murdered. The court learned that this note was created around the same time Miller first encountered Noema Graeber. In September of 2020, he transferred from the Maharishi School to Fairfield High School his freshman year, which was when he took Mrs. Graeber's Spanish class for the first time. According to Miller's mother, who is a former Maharishi University alumni turned financial advisor, her son Willard Miller was previously accustomed to receiving A's and B's in all of his private school classes. But after entering public school and taking Spanish with Mrs. Graber, that's when everything changed. Evidently failing to adjust to public school, it appeared as though Willard Miller's hatred only grew over time for Mrs. Graber a woman who didn't hand out A-pluses to students who didn't work hard for them. As indicated from the ominous note discovered in his iPhone, his disdain for Mrs. Graber ultimately carried over into his sophomore year. The iPhone note, simply titled Prep, was last modified on October 30th, 2021, just three days before Noéma Graeber was beaten to death with an aluminum baseball bat. While the manner in which it's written appears to be a feeble attempt at remaining discreet or cryptic in some way, the prosecution argued that it contained a blatant plan, with the specific items needed and clear-cut instructions on how the killing of Noema Graber would ultimately be carried out. Garden gloves, plastic gloves, plastic trash bag, Ziploc bag, wet wipes, backpack, hammer, cover, transport vehicle. Nearly all of the items on the digital list were recovered by law enforcement, either at the crime scene or at the residences of Goodale or Miller. One of the lead investigators on this case, Special Agent Trent Valletta, testified for the state, speaking to the relevance of that iPhone note.
0: And were wet wipes found at the scene? Yes, there were several wet wipes at the scene.
1: The second portion of that note was a section labeled simply, Procedure. Stun, move off trail, empty compartments, load cargo, blanket cargo, deactivate compartment contents, leave bag by exit, transport, empty transport, safety stun, switch glove, deactivate article to bag, finalize the win, secure victory, load into storage spot, don't forget to close the door to the ground, switch gloves, move the sticks, wipe down tools, dispose article and grab bag by exit. Done. It's unclear if Miller ever actually sent this digital note to Jeremy Goodale, or simply showed it to him in person. However, during one of his police interviews, Goodale did tell authorities that he was well aware of the prep list Miller had created. Perhaps the only advantage to Willard Miller's case was that no DNA evidence was ever found on the baseball bat recovered from his bedroom, which, since the very beginning of the investigation, was believed to be the murder weapon. Special Agent Valletta did testify, however, stating that the surface of the aluminum bat very easily could have been scrubbed of any forensic evidence and was more than likely the same instrument that took Mrs. Graber's life. More evidence linked to Miller's resentment toward his Spanish teacher was in the form of a disciplinary report, where he'd apparently been reprimanded for using his cell phone in Spanish class. At the time of that incident, Miller refused to hand over the phone to Mrs. Graber and a parent-teacher conference was subsequently held as a result. In an email sent from the defendant to his mother, Miller said that he was, quote, close to losing it. The email indicated that Miller was upset after he was ordered to take a test and a makeup test all on the same day. This was due to the fact that he'd been away on vacation and apparently returned to school, only to throw a temper tantrum. He told
2: his mother that, um, He was
1: very close to losing it. Did he
3: indicate that he was crying?
2: Yes.
1: I'm
3: sorry, I didn't hear that question. Mrs. Graver had made him cry.
1: The prosecution never wavered as it related to Miller's motive for the killing. He was failing Spanish and wanted to do a semester abroad, but couldn't without a passing grade. However, if Jeremy Goodale's confession, along with the various witness testimony of friends, was not enough... Willard Miller literally spelt out the motive himself by typing it into Google. Do students receive credit for class if professor is seriously injured or dies more than halfway through the course? What happens to students' work if the teacher dies in the middle of a term? Miller entered all of the previous keywords into his web browser on October 24, 2021, just 12 days before the murder which was around the same time he first reached out to Jeremy Goodale for help. According to testimony from Fairfield Detectives, Miller had told several peers at school that he wanted Mrs. Graber dead, including one student who claimed Miller said that if Mrs. Graber went missing, to not go to the police. Along with the Snapchat messages Jeremy Goodale sent to his friend John Burnett, the state also recovered Snapchats sent by Miller also to John Burnett. Miller also messaged a handful of other friends about the murder. It was revealed in court that Willard Miller had actually bragged in those correspondences, telling one friend that he, quote, caught a body with a bat. Aside from the iPhone note, Willard Miller created a second document, this one in his own literal handwriting. In the courtroom, his defense attorney objected as the lead prosecutor began questioning a Fairfield detective in regards to a letter Willard Miller had allegedly previously written, one that was later provided to a private investigator. This letter was in reference to John Burnett, the friend who ultimately ratted him and Goodale out to police after the murder. In a dramatic outburst in the courtroom, roughly halfway through Miller's sentencing hearing, the objection was overruled. And the judge allowed that note to be read aloud.
3: John Burnett, six foot one, curly hair, blue eyes, white, always fucking wearing jeans, walks a little funny, swings his hands, old pink chip white pickup with metal lockbox in the bed. Doesn't look like any other truck there. Fairfield Public High School starts at 810, ends at 330. 30. usually comes out of second entrance Always parks on the left strip instead of main lot, all the way at the end closest to the school and second entrance. Is that what you were
1: calling? Yes. It's unclear if Miller wrote this letter detailing John Burnett's physical description and his daily movements, in jail or otherwise. His intentions are also vague and unclear. Regardless, when authorities received a copy of the letter, presumably from Willard's private investigator, Fairfield police contacted John Burnett to inform him that he may be in danger.
3: When you uh, received this document, did you have a meeting with Mr. Burnett? Yes, we did. What was the context and reason for that meeting?
2: We were concerned for his safety. Why? Because these are, that was a vehicle he drove, that was a description of him, and he was, at that time, the very key witness in this case.
1: Now in fear for his own safety, John Burnett fled the state to stay with relatives, somewhere far away from Fairfield, Iowa. In addition, the court heard other evidence revealing that while Miller was held in detention, he made the various comments related to his perceived intelligence, claiming that he had a higher IQ than the majority of the jail staff. Before the final ruling was imposed, the defendant was given the chance to speak aloud in court, an opportunity Willard Noble Chayden Miller used to provide what can only be described as an insincere apology as he smirked on and off for roughly 10 minutes.
0: I would like to take this opportunity to accept responsibility for the role that I played in the murder of the River I would like to apologize for my actions, first and foremost, to for the family. I'm sincerely sorry for the distress that I've caused you. I would like to apologize to my family, I love you guys so much, and I'm really sorry for what I've
1: done. After the defendant was finished, victim impact statements were also read aloud in court, one of them having been from Noema Graeber's brother-in-law, Jim Graber.
0: Noema had a lot of impact on a lot of people, and it only took two people to actually remove her from our lives just like that. Everybody loved her. Maybe she was a tough Spanish teacher, but she wanted the best for her students. But to fathom somebody killing somebody over a grave is just insane. Because of this event, not only affects the immediate family, it affects the other generations of the family. We have grandkids that are 10, 8, and 4, and we've had to explain to them what murder is. I hope you open
1: your soul to the Lord
0: and maybe ask for forgiveness there first because you're on a spiral straight to hell.
1: According to loved ones, Noema's husband Paul would have provided his own victim impact statement. However, he tragically passed away as a result of cancer before ever having the chance. Paul Graeber was just 68 years old, and his funeral was held less than 24 hours before Miller's final sentencing. After a a seven-and-a-half-hour hearing, Willard Noble Chaden Miller— Finally, learned his fate the afternoon of Thursday, July sixth, two thousand twenty-three.
0: The definition of malice is the intention or the desire to do evil, and evil does not have a birthday. This court cannot overrule precedent. However, I will not gloss over the fact that you and Mr. Goodell cut Noham Graver's precious life short. That would not be justice, regardless of your age, Mr. Miller. The bedrock of our criminal justice system is deterrence and rehabilitation. And ultimately, while acknowledging your youth and developing brain, I find that your intent and actions were sinister and evil. Those acts resulted in the intentional loss of human life in a brutal fashion. There's no excuse there is not a systemic societal problem that explains or justifies your actions. The court finds, based on the nature and circumstances of this offense, along with the required 25 factors that I am to consider in sensing a juvenile in the state of Iowa for the first degree, that the defendant, Willard Noble Chaden Miller, should be sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 35 years.
1: After being sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 35 years, the judge ordered Willard Miller to pay restitution to the victim's family in the amount of $150,000. With Miller's fate finalized, his co-defendant Jeremy Goodale was up next, and he would see his day in court just a few short months later. Goodale was scheduled to be sentenced that August. However, due to the usual delays, the proceedings were pushed back to November of 2023. Ten days before Goodale was to be sentenced, Noema Graber's son, Christian, posted a video to Facebook. He spoke about a spiritual experience he had when he visited Spain the year before, where he felt his mother Noema's presence.
3: When I was in Spain, a little over a year ago maybe, I was uh, watching the sunrise I won't tell you what <laughs> what I was doing, but I was watching the sunrise and I was thinking a lot and praying. I was hoping that good things could come in the future and trying to be positive. And I had such a moment of clarity. I realized my mother would love it if I could help change this tragic story of her death and to turn it into something positive. And that it would be really, really good to see if I could help change these boys for the better and. And also, one thing I could do, it would be to see how they're doing.
1: One year after Christian had this experience, Jeremy Goodale's attorneys reached out to him, informing him that one of the men who had murdered his mother wished to meet and have a conversation. So on November 3rd, 2023, Christian Graber decided to pay Jeremy Goodale a visit, a meeting that took place one day after the second year anniversary of his mother's murder.
3: This morning, I was at the Jefferson County Jail speaking with Jeremy. He's one of the boys who killed my mother two years ago. It was quite the experience. One of his lawyers got in contact with me a few days ago saying that he wanted to have a conversation with me and he wanted to say how sorry he was. And I was, believe it or not, I was was excited for that, for the potential of You know, being able to have a conversation with him and hoping to see if he really could change to become, to one day become a better man.
1: Christian went on to describe what it was like sitting down to speak with his mother's killer just days before Jeremy Goodale's sentencing.
3: And when I got to the jail, they did the whole pat down, checking to see if I had any weapons. I didn't bring any. But uh, I got him into that little room, kind of like in the movies with uh, the glass wall between you and the the prisoner. And you had to use the phones to speak to each other. And I could see he was nervous.
1: Christian then told Jeremy about the sign he'd received from his mother while he was visiting Spain.
3: And I told him the story that I just told you about watching the sunrise in Spain. And so I asked him, how are you doing? And he was in tears. He was telling me how sorry he was. And I could see that he really meant it. The whole time, he and I were just looking straight into each other's eyes.
1: Not even Jeremy Goodale could believe the compassion the victim's son had shown through that partition glass. Before ending the video, Christian spoke about his mother and how she taught him never to allow hate to fester or live on in his heart.
3: If he spends the rest of his life in jail, it doesn't really affect me. But it would be great if the story could turn into something good overall. My mother said... When kids are bad, when they become drug addicts or alcoholics or they get, you know, then when they go down a bad path, that instead of pushing them away, you need to give them more love. And that always stuck with me. My mother had a lot of nice little gems of wisdom that she would share with us.
1: There's no question that Christian Graeber possesses a level of empathy that most would simply not have, given the circumstances. And whether or not the judge would demonstrate anything of the sort would ultimately be learned in the following days. The first day of Jeremy Goodale's two-day sentencing hearing began on November 14, 2023. The court heard a recorded jail call between Jeremy Goodale and his sister on the day of his arrest, almost exactly two years prior. During this phone conversation, Goodale can be heard telling his sister that he does not feel guilt or remorse for his role in the murder of Noema Graber. Special Agent Trent Valletta also testified about what was arguably the most bizarre evidence in the entire case, the Snapchat messages sent by Jeremy Goodale to John Burnett just hours after the murder. What does this show us? So this again is from uh, Jeremy Goodale uh, to John Burnett. And uh, this is just um, a picture of Goodale with a mask on with a hood. And it just says, uh, point of view, POV, you're my Spanish teacher. And this is the last thing you see. Though it was already forensically proven that these images did in fact come from Goodale's cell phone, he eventually admitted to police that it was him wearing the face covering seen in those Snapchat messages. The images, which are now public, are haunting. The contrast between what these photos represent and the lighthearted captions Gadale sent along with them is simply astounding. What is this that we're seeing? Um, so this would be the wheelbarrow that was uh, eventually found on top of Noe McGreiber. Uh You see a shovel that uh, was used to try to uh, dig into the ground, but the ground was uh, frozen, was really hard. Um, and then there's uh, like a lantern, and uh, inside the green bag there's some other things that may have been used to uh, try to conceal her. There was no question Jeremy Goodale would be going to prison for a very long time, just like his accomplice Willard Miller. But how long his sentence would be ultimately hinged on whether or not the court felt he could actually be rehabilitated. According to his defense, Goodale's motivation in the killing was much different from Miller's. It was their stance that he participated out of extreme immaturity and a desire to be accepted by his friend, Willard Miller. Goodale's attorneys called witnesses to the stand, many of whom were family members of the defendant. It was mentioned that his mother left when he was young and that he experienced somewhat of an unstable home life and that he began drinking and doing drugs at a very young age. While his relationship with his father was described as distant, There was no evidence of any abuse in the home with respect to Jeremy Goodale's childhood. It would be difficult to make the connection between Goodale's rather remarkable upbringing to the emotional detachment and sheer disregard for human life he exhibited the afternoon of November 2, 2021. The forensic psychologist who examined Goodale sometime after the murder testified at his sentencing as well. She determined that Jeremy was bright, possessed above-average problem-solving skills, and did not exhibit any signs of mental health issues. The psychologist even went as far as establishing that she believed Goodale to be both emotionally and socially functioning appropriately for someone his age at the time, but she also suggested that at his age when the crime was committed, the defendant's brain had not yet fully developed. Naturally, the state argued that the results of Goodale's psychiatric evaluation should warrant even more concern for public safety, knowing that he was not suffering from mental illness and yet still decided to participate in the murder of an individual he had no personal qualms with. Their claim that he was arguably more dangerous than a killer with an emotional motive, someone like Willard Miller, for example. However, when Goodale's attorneys asked if there was a possibility of issues that had gone undiagnosed due to the fact that Goodale previously attended the Maharashi School, an institution that believes in holistic treatment as opposed to pharmaceuticals, Goodale's psychologist agreed that it was in fact possible. As far as a diagnosis following the murder, Jeremy Goodale was classified as having ADHD, ADHD. A psychologist testified that this may have been a factor given that impulse control and ability to focus are both affected in those with ADHD. The only problem with establishing that connection is that approximately 3-10% to of juveniles in the U.S. are diagnosed with ADHD, a population of teenagers who, on the whole, don't commit horrific murders. Not to mention, impulses don't occur 10-14 to days prior to the act in question, which is exactly how long Jeremy Goodale had to think about following through with his friend Miller's plan when he first enlisted his help. Still, the psychologist who examined Goodale offered her opinion that teenagers with ADHD are often susceptible to social vulnerabilities and can easily be influenced by their peers. Helping a friend kill his Spanish teacher, of course, would have to be the most extreme example of peer pressure to ever occur. Aside from motivation, Jeremy Goodale was unlike Willard Miller in one other way. He actually showed remorse. Now 18 years old, and perhaps the result of some psychological development while behind bars, Jeremy Goodale openly wept in the courtroom when he was provided the chance to speak.
3: I wanna say I'm grateful for this chance to speak my piece. I offer my sincerest apologies to the Graber family but I know my words will never be enough. I've had time to think on what to say, and I'm sorry. Truly sorry. What I've taken can never be replaced. Every day, I wish I could go back and stop myself, prevent this loss and this pain that I've caused everyone, everyone in the community and outside of it, those closest to me and those closest to the Graper family, as well as the Graper family. I didn't know how taking Miss Graber's life would affect you. I can't comprehend losing a loved one in such an awful way. I'm sorry I didn't stop this from happening in the first place. And I'm understanding now that Miss Graber meant so much to so many people.
1: Unlike Willard Miller, whose smug face was unquestionably the more punchable of the two, Jeremy Goodale broke down prior to sentencing. So much so that his nose began spontaneously bleeding for several minutes. Um,
0: The the defendant's got a bloody nose. Oh, sorry. No, you are fine. We'll uh, let's take a break and see if we can get
1: that taken care of. After a brief recess, the judge returned to impose the final ruling the afternoon of Wednesday, November 15th, 2023.
0: I do hope that you'll have time to reflect on your actions and grow as a person in prison, and I don't think there will be any other choice for you. And I said earlier, you're a good candidate for rehabilitation, and you appear generally remorseful for this terrible act, which is refreshing compared to the last sentencing, though it's, It's just brutal for everybody to have to hear about this again. Court finds, based on the nature and circumstances of this defense, along with the 25 required factors I'm required to consider, in sentencing a juvenile for first-degree murder, the defendants shall be sentenced to life with the possibility of parole after 25 years.
1: After his sentencing, just like his co-defendant, Willard Miller, Jeremy Goodale was ordered to pay restitution to the Graber family in the amount of $150,000. very beginning of our conversation with Diane Beekle, we congratulated her on her recent retirement from teaching after over two decades, most of which was done alongside her friend Noema Graber. However, we quickly realized that leaving the education system came mostly as a negative response to the brutal murder of her good friend.
2: Hearing what they did to Noema, I had a breakdown at the time that Noema was murdered. And I put myself in a timeout from school. Having Noema murdered just because the kid felt that he should be rewarded for no work just worked on me. And so by December 7th, I had resigned and I turned my back on, on teaching.
1: Diane is just one example of the many ripple effects crimes such as these produce the trauma that ultimately plagues far too many innocent people. One aspect that was seemingly glossed over by the media in this case was the Maharishi School, the private institution both Goodale and Miller attended prior to entering the public school system at Fairfield High. The Maharishi School is known for its quote-unquote progressive style of education, where the focus on meditation and nature is unorthodox to say the least. Some have even gone as far as labeling the origin of Maharishi's practices as being that of a cult. Now, of course, those are unfounded speculations at best, and that's not what we're saying. But as it pertains to this tragedy, we don't want to give the false impression or suggestion that the Maharishi School is in any way connected to or responsible for what happened to Mrs. Graber and the broader Fairfield High community. However, as we do in all cases, we cover we find it imperative to examine each angle of what potentially led up to these horrific events. And after finding out both killers previously attended the Maharishi School, we wanted to gain the perspective of Diane Beekle, a special education teacher with close to 30 years of experience.
2: I do not have any direct involvement with that school. All I know is what I've heard other educators say who have had interactions with the students. It's a totally different learning environment. Teachers are really guiding. The students and teachers, from what I understand, are much more equal partners in what is learned and how it's learned, which is not bad. There's a lot about the Maharishi School that I admire, but I would think that would set up a sense of, I know as much as you do and maybe even more about how to learn.
1: If Willard Miller specifically was awarded an abnormal level of gratification by his former teachers at the Maharishi School, well, then it's very possible he may have become conditioned to a certain level of positive reinforcement, much of it potentially unearned. In other words, after transitioning out of an educational system he had grown used to, one that honored a student's collaboration in the learning process, he was perhaps being told for the first time ever at Fairfield High School that he would have to work for good marks from Mrs. Graber. And what some have described as Willard Miller's ingrained sense of self entitlement may have inevitably taken a turn for the worse. Becoming so skewed that in his eyes, killing his teacher was the most viable route to get where he wanted to go Spain. Whether or not the Maharishi School played any influence on Miller's actions, specifically the day of the murder, isn't for us to say one way or another. Nevertheless, it's a fascinating avenue to explore, especially when considering how malleable minds are formed while considering the effect different styles of teaching can have on early childhood development. Before ending our conversation with Diane, we were curious to learn her take on both juvenile offenders in this case and if she felt there was any distinction between the two regarding the horrific murder of her friend, Noema Graber.
2: Jeremy got involved as a totally different reason, which has to do with not wanting to be a snitch and wanting to support your buddy and not really having a well-developed moral compass. My heart breaks for Jeremy. I mean, Jeremy is remorseful right now. Jeremy gets it now he needs to spend time in prison because just because you're sorry doesn't mean doesn't erase what you did. So I'm okay with Jeremy getting out in parole with, with the 25 years. Uh, Chaden. he could rot as far as I'm concerned.